Welcome to the Generous Marriage Podcast. Hi, I'm Ziv Raviv. And I'm Shachar Erez. And together we've created this resource, the Generous Marriage Podcast, so that you could actually have an opportunity to have a think about your relationship, what would you like to improve in it, and maybe even find a way to be more generous or to actually create a generous relationship between both of you. In the meantime, in order to do so, we actually interview all sorts of influencers uh, in the field of relationships. And today, we're going to hear an interview with Sondra Harmon. That she, she's from Unlimited Love, and she has a lot to give us about how to use a meditation and mentoring around relationships. Shachar, uh, are you excited about today's interview? I am excited. Sondra is awesome about creating joy-filled relationships. And she walks her talk. She's a person full of joy and really inspiring. Let's hear the interview. Yes, see you in the other end. Enjoy. Welcome to the Generous Marriage Podcast. Fight less, feel appreciated, and have a deeper connection with your spouse. And now your hosts, Shachar Erez and Ziv Raviv. Hello, Generous Marriage Podcast. I'm so excited to have an interview here today together with my partner, Shachar Erez. So hello, Shachar Erez. Hello, Ziv. Hi, Sandra. And I'm excited because we are interviewing Sandra Harmon. Sandra, this is so nice. We can hear the birds in the background. And <laughs> it's already like a, the right atmosphere for unlimited love. You are the founder of Unlimited Love of the organization. And that organization, together with you in the lead, is committed to helping people create joy-filled relationships. Joy-filled relationships sounds like bigger than joyful relationships. Is that true? You know, it's funny. I found myself always writing joy-filled as opposed to joyful. And, I, <laughs> and honestly, I really don't know why. And I started looking at it. And I think... There's, there's more a feeling of doing. When you look at joy filled, it means you're filling it up with joy. Not that it just happens. So I really, I, it's not like I had that conscious decision, but now that you're actually asking it, I think that's what appeals to me about saying joy filled as opposed to joyful. One is very causative and conscious and the other is, yeah, it's joyful. It's not joyful. It's raining. It's not raining. It's all about being proactive and creating Joy-filled relationship doesn't happen, unfortunately, by itself for everyone. Some people actually manage to get that more easily, but some don't. Many of us need to work on it and even need some mentoring. But before we go into that and what your organization do, I want to congratulate you, Sandra. You just got married. Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> I have the most amazing husband. He's just wonderful. And For all the work that I do and the courses and the certifications and the travel and reading and all this, I feel like he lives an example so many times and shows me what it means. So he's like my, one of my best teachers. That's beautiful. Wow, this is beautiful. This has been quite a journey for you from going through life with harder relationships, different relationships, definitely... I'm not sure, I don't know, but I'm guessing that they weren't <laughs> that full or filled with joy, as filled as now you know 
a little bit more on the the secrets and mechanisms that create a joy-filled relationship. And these days you're involved and committed to helping people see the, the light of day in the relationship. So I, I want to ask you, first of all, how much is it possible to actually find love or to create joy-filled relationships? Is it something that you can learn? Yes and no. It depends on what you're doing and how you're going about it. Can, can I just spend a little bit of time? Because you alluded to the fact that I didn't have always so great relationships. Can okay. I just start a little bit at the beginning? Great. Yeah, so I look at my past relationships and prior to having met Richard, I had three long-term relationships, eight to 10 years. One of them, I was married. All three of them, I was engaged. And that's a whole nother story. And I feel like if I were to sum my story up into a, like one of those stories that everyone knows, do you guys know about like Goldilocks and the three bears? Of course. Of course. So yeah, so it's kind of that fable where, you know, Goldilocks goes into the bear's house. Well, this was me. So our first relationship, it was just too hard. The second relationship was too soft, let's say. <laughs> and you'd think the third one <laughs> was going to be just right. Uh-huh. But my experience was actually worse than the first two put together. Ouch. And yeah. And you know, that's one of the things I think maybe in modern times and in Western cultures, we tend to think, well, I'll just get a new one. I'll just get a new one. I'll just get a new one. Cause that's kind of what Goldilocks tells you. And I figured if, if I didn't do something and I got to a fourth one, God only knows what was going to happen. And I met in my journey, I finally hit to where I can't do this anymore. I just, I can't. The point where it really hit me was I was back in the U.S. I was, I'd been living in Vietnam. I was back in the U.S. And I, had, I went to see a doctor. I'd had some skin cancer testing done just to see if there was anything. And I walked out of the doctor's office thinking, I hope I have cancer. Wow. Yeah, I could actually hear my thoughts. Normally, I, I wasn't aware enough to hear my thoughts. But I heard that. I'm like, oh, my God. It wasn't I wanted to die. I, I didn't want to die. I just wanted to have a good enough excuse to start over or, or something, to like make a change. And I heard that thought and that was kind of the beginning. And in that same weekend that I was back, I had had a business relationship with a woman. And, you know, we only knew each other through business and had been visiting her factory and drove back. She drove me back to the airport in, in Denver. And on the way, we stopped it for dinner or something. And I was drinking. I had a, a couple glasses of wine. And for some reason, because I had seen what an amazing relationship she had, like I'd actually been with her husband and her for five days. And they acted like newlyweds. And they'd been married 34 years. So I like felt like I found somebody who kind of knew what she had, what I wanted. And she was 13, 15 years older than I was, madly in love with her husband. They, again, look like, yes, they look like newlyweds. And I finally, I like broke down over dinner. And I'm like, and he's doing, and he's doing. you know, women can cry. Sorry to do this to you guys. And, he's doing, and, he's doing, and, and she looked at me with such compassion. And she said, sweetie, what are you getting out of this? And I was like, I don't know. And that began my actual journey. 
And it was an inward journey. It was the first time I'd stopped trying to strategize and stopped trying to like figure out how to get a guy to behave the way I want him so they won't hurt my feelings or disrespect me to what's going on with me. And she mentored me for a year and a half every single day. It was funny because I was sort of mentoring her on business and she was mentoring me on relationships. It worked out perfectly every day almost. And we were in different time zones. We would talk and she gave me the practical life experience on what it, what being in a joyful relationship is. And she would help me with situations based on not saying this is the rule, but when this happened to us, you know, this is what I did. I was so blessed. And as part of that, one of her friends who knew her well, actually her best friend had given her the book, a book and said, you know, you need to read this book because this book is why you guys have such a great relationship. And it turns out that that book was the Queen's Code. So Linda had actually never read the book, never really been associated with Alison Armstrong, but a friend of hers had recommended it. I read it. I'm like, yes, there's a path. The original question was, can you learn? It's not about if you're trying to read books and learn how to not be hurt, not be disrespected, how to make somebody be the person you want them to be, then that's going to fail. If you're learning about possibilities, like what is possible? Some of us have never had great relationships or been around environments where there've been great relationships. That was true for me. My parents were divorced when I was 16 and I didn't really know anybody that had amazing relationships. To read and learn and study about what's possible, yes. To read and learn and study about what might change in you and your own consciousness to make it possible, then yes. To look at other people's paths and struggles and see that maybe yours aren't so different, yes. To read and research and learn, and this is where I love Allison's work with men, is to experience through their stories and her research with men, what it's like so that you can better have compassion and empathy and understanding Then yes. But so much of what's out there is yes, no, black, white, follow these five rules. These are the three tips to make any man fall in love with you. Send, send text in this situation. It's trying to turn something into a formula that's not formulaic. So that's my answer. That's a good All answer. Right. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and even though we try to find practical tips to make your relationship more generous, we still believe that you need to always improvise and ask yourself, is that the right way to do it? We keep saying, here are the rules, now go and break them. Right, right. And the thing I love about the title of your podcast is generosity is, it's a state. You know, you can have a state of generosity. You can have a state of compassion. You can be in a state of gratitude. So the idea of even putting it out there that be in a state first, and then the actions will follow naturally. And you're just giving other possibilities because there's endless possibilities of how you can express generosity. Yeah, right. So how does one change uh, his or her state? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the first thing, and because I went through this journey, I was five years. So after I met, by the way, it's not like a secret. This, <laughs> my friend, her name is Linda Shea. She's an amazing woman. She runs a all-natural, non-toxic manufacturing plant in uh, Colorado for 
skin care and home care so that people don't get exposed to all the toxins at cleaning products and, and skincare products. So it's not a secret. So after she, she may, I still went on for years to, to really look and research. But the first thing that I think I would look at, and I see so many people looking at this, is it's an inward job. So the first step to creating joy in a relationship is realize that it starts with you. In fact, the marriage vows that Richard and I took recently, the very first thing it starts with, there's a little bit of like recognizing that we're breathing together and that connection is there, but it's not like I promise to be with you forever and ever. It started with, I promise to nurture joy and compassion in my own being and then share that joy and compassion with you. Exactly. <laughs> and so too many times, I think, just to realize that the joy and the, the compassion and all those feelings, the generosity starts with us. It's not like, oh, I'll be generous when he's generous. Oh, I'll be joyful when he's joyful. The realization that we can create these own states in ourselves, and that's where we should focus, is one of the key, and that's why I say it's not a step. It's just, it's an awareness. It's a realization. It's a looking in yourself and seeing if that isn't really true because it's a hard thing to accept. It's hard to accept when everybody, it seems, seems to me everybody and everything out there is pointing to, oh, find the right man. Oh, make sure that you do this. Like this very rigid labels and strategies that don't acknowledge the fact there's a human being on the other end of that connection. Yeah. So I guess those would be kind of the two things, like realizing that it's a state, realizing that you can change your state. And then once you realize that, that's the journey and that it's possible by, you know, now that I'm kind of in this world, I see so many other people that it's like, I thought I was the only one. I thought Linda and I were the only one. <laughs> there's like thousands and thousands of people talking about this. But once you realize it, then there's so many ways the different techniques and processes to allow you to look inside yourself and see what's going on and create joy in yourself are almost endless. I think we look in the wrong space. We're looking to the other person, not to ourselves to create joy-filled relationships. I'm a couples therapist. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I see a lot of couples. Yeah. But many times they come in and they want me to fix him, fix her, fix my partner. Mm -hmm. And through the process, they understand that they do it together and that it's enough that if one of them, if I take responsibility for my 100% of the responsibility, my side of the story, that change the whole uh, relationship. If I'm generous, if I'm in my heart space, that can create this great feedback loop that opens my partner's heart and just creates this uh, great overflow of generosity. How important is it, do you think, clarity? How important is it that the person would find the clarity, get to the point where he has clarity on his needs and on his feelings? I guess with most of my, my answers to your questions, there's like two ways I want to look at it. One is it's huge. It's absolutely understanding like your own real needs. There's one thing I was in this year-long program, which I'm doing another program this year with Alison Armstrong. But last year, she basically spent a year teaching us. And the thing that she was teaching wasn't any of her material. She had trainers and coaches that were teaching us. She taught us transformational teaching. And she did something as she was the very first 
weekend we were with her, she was very careful about all the rules that she had for us. I don't remember all of them. It seemed extensive. And one point she said, look, she said, I'm doing this because I need what I need to be able to give you what you need. And I started crying. I'm like in the middle of all these people. And I'm like, there's tears coming down my eyes. She sees me and she goes and gets a tissue and hands it to me. She's like, like this is a, a realization cry. I'm like, yeah, because what I used to look at needs as being selfish, like I needed him, I wanted him, and I, but I was being very selfish about it. And so then I would relate to other people's needs that way too. But when I learned to separate out, what do I need to give you what you need? It made all the difference in both my speaking and working with groups, as well as work as with Richard, because I could see that sleep. <laughs> Allison talks a lot about sleep, but for me, sleep's really important. And I can't be the person that I want to be for him if I don't have sleep. But it allows me to differentiate between, oh, let's say he leaves his socks on the floor. Well, that doesn't fill any need for me. I can go easily pick it up, right? It's not a big deal. But to make sure that he helps me protect my sleep is huge. So when I was able to find clarity on what I really needed to really be the person that I, I need to be to help the people I work with and to be the partner to Richard that is going to create this joyful relationships, that's massive. Now, the other thing, though, is a little important to look at is needs can change. Yeah, so that's tricky because we're changing. People look at us and they look at, we look at ourselves and we look at our, each other as these static people. I'm Sandra and I've always been Sandra and I'm going to, but no, I've changed. And we don't recognize that. We don't recognize it in ourselves. We don't take the time and we don't recognize it in our partners. So just because I need sleep now, when I'm on a cleanse, for example, I do this juice fast thing and I have so much energy and I'm like, I wake up at five o'clock and, and Richard's trying to put me back to sleep because he knows that <laughs> like, no, 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 it doesn't apply now because <laughs> it's a different situation. I'm in a different state. So as people change, as they grow older, as they change jobs, as they change their own perception of themselves, as, you know, as children arrive, what is needed changes. So to be able to have clarity, but realize that you're going to need to get clarity next week, next month, next year. It's a constant process of clarifying what you need. So clarity is important and clarity is something that it's an ongoing process. We change and our needs change. But how can you find out what are your needs and how do you find that clarity? Because sometimes we have voices inside of our heads that are telling us stuff like that sock should not be there. And that's a problem that someone should fix as soon as possible. And if I were you, I would have fixed it by now. Or, uh, alternatively, right. or alternatively, it might be a voice that just says, no one should talk like that to you and you should, should not be disrespected or all sorts of things. So what are the needs? Sometimes we just hear chatter in our heads and we don't know what our, our really need, real needs are. Yeah, good question. And that's, again, there are a lot of methods and paths. Mine is meditation. That's where I integrate all of this together because when you're in a state and you're able to slow down enough to actually listen to your thoughts, 
in addition to them being noisy, sometimes they slip by and you're, you're, there's so many and they're so quick, you don't even notice them. So getting into a state of meditation where you can, okay, it's slow enough to see what I'm thinking and then go through the, the way I do it. We're pretty much, this is true, most of my meditations, most of the meditations I do relating to relationships are then taking a look at from a state of calm and peace at what is the tension? What does that energy look like? What does it feel like? Where am I feeling it in my body? Does it have colors, sounds, all the kind of things that might go along with the physical aspects of it, you know, even the emotions, how do I label the emotions? And this is in so many different therapies and techniques. So I'm not, it's not like I've invented anything, but I like to take a look at first a long list of those pieces with an observation, not with a judgment, not with, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Almost like, I kind of liken to, I don't know about when you guys grow up, but for me, when I grew up, if a baby falls down, you want to go and you want to kiss the boo-boo, right? I don't know, that was just something we always said, you know, go kiss the boo let me kiss the boo-boo and make it better. It wasn't, let me pretend there's no boo-boo. It wasn't like, let me go and find out how this happened and make sure it's never going to happen again. And it's not like, oh, damn, I want to get rid of it. It's, it's actually showing love to the wound. Uh-huh. So that's how to approach kind of all these, everything that I'm about to talk about. And the first part is like emotions, feelings, sensations, tension. You know, what does it look like? What does it feel like? And then start taking a look and unpacking all the thoughts, all the repetitive thoughts that we have, the labels the um, stories that we're telling and really looking deeply into the stories of, you know, who's the victim, who's the hero, who's the villain. And again, without judgment, just looking at like, oh, or some, and curiosity can work too. I tend to Uh go between curiosity and compassion and really look at that. It's a deep process and it sounds simple. And then take a look at, well, where, where is that living? Where is this tension living? Is it living in the past? Is this something you're focused on that time-wise is in the past? Is it something that you're projecting into the future? Is it right at the second? And then also looking at place. Time and place are kind of intertwined. Is this in this room right now? Is this something that was in a bedroom two hours ago? And that bleeds off the tension. I call them hot potatoes. I have this whole metaphor that I use in my workshops is to call them a hot potato. It's like, you've got this hot potato and you might as well cool it down first, not sit and hold on to it. Cause if you cool it down, you can actually eat it and be nourished from it. But if it's hot, it's just going to keep burning you. If you throw it at somebody else, it's going to keep burning you. So that's my approach is really just looking at it because awareness itself, and this is the keys from mindfulness. awareness itself will dissolve you know, the, what's not really there. If you take the hot potatoes and you wait with them a bit before you will try to eat them, or then they won't burn you and you will have the time to look at the hot potato as something else. Yeah, it's not just wait though. That's the one thing I want to clarify because just waiting, if you're doing something, so if I'm going to let another six years go by and during that time, I'm going to come up with better strategies. Yeah. Well, every time you say, oh, well, I want to do this so that a man never does this to me. Well, you've just re-triggered that chemical 
bath that your body's going through with yet another, you're going to get the same tension, you're going to get the same thoughts because you just re-triggered it. So just time isn't a lone solution. You can proactively wait for something to happen. There are other ways to be proactive about your life, about clarity, about whatever it is that you need. Yeah. I want to go back to this waiting idea because the topic that I'm in with Allison right now is called extreme freedom. And like my other topics, I'm doing a lot of research with people. Right before this call, I was researching with a young man, younger man, he's 23, and he was talking about a relationship that he held on to for six years and that it dissipated over time. But the question is, does it need to be that long? I had an incident. This was something that really taught me the power of meditation. And I was in, a, in India and I realized we were doing some deep, deep meditation about anger, which I always, I especially you guys, when you guys get angry, oh, that's so, so frustrating. You shouldn't do that, right? <laughs> and it wasn't until I could look in myself and go, oh my God, that thought I have is worse than anything anybody's ever said to me. I just, because I don't say it, I think there's, it's okay. And when I could see I was kind of the same, when I could see anger in myself and I could appreciate then the anger in myself, it dissolved everything. There was somebody who I'd had a difficult relationship with. And in that exact instant, it changed. It was like night and day. Every interaction from then has been joyful and fun. It's crazy. So I've had the experience. Time doesn't heal all wounds. Mm. And time doesn't have to be a requirement in healing. It's more about awareness and curiosity and compassion. We want to also manage to cover the important idea of mentoring, relationship mentoring. Mm. So if you don't mind, tell us this, like a dreamy or topic idea that you have with your Facebook group, Unlimited Love, that people are actually mentoring other couples. Couples are mentoring couples. Yeah. That sounds so dreamy. Is there, like, <laughs> is there enough uh, people out there that are masters of relationships, as John Gottman calls them, that they really have a solid, good, joy-filled relationship? Are there enough of these unicorns like you that can mentor <laughs> other people? I believe there are enough. I don't think, I wish there were more, but there are enough. And now that I'm done with the wedding, the honeymoon, all that, the next project I have is to bring those interviews and the stories and the questions to some of these great joyful relationships that I've been lucky because now I'm looking, you know, you find what you look for. So I've been looking for them and interview them and get them more involved. It's really interesting. I would love to see more and more people realize and reach out for this type of mentoring. Like in business, it's really common. Like you think, oh yeah, I need a business mentor. You know, I need somebody who's been there, done that, and to show me the ropes. But we don't normally go to that when we think of relationships. We think of, oh, I want to talk to somebody else who's struggling. Which, right? (laughs) I want to talk to someone else who's going through the same thing that I'm going through or someone who's been through it. Not, I want to talk with somebody who's gone through all the different challenges in life and is happy. 
in some ways, and maybe it's an oversimplification, I look at this release of tension based on something that was done, something that was not done, something said, something not said, as kind of the same for anything. If you're unhappy with your partner leaving the socks on the floor can create this, not the same tension, but creates a tension that is like also having a tension of he was late or coming home for dinner or forgot my birthday. And the thing that I like about meditation as a path, as opposed to an, another path is just understanding. It helps a lot, help me a lot. So uh, understanding, Allison calls it illumination of, well, men are single focused and, you know, he's focused at work and he got on a roll and this is what single focus is like. And I've researched that and I understand it. Thing about it is whether you're doing it because of understanding or you're doing it because you have a clarity of vision. That's the one thing we didn't touch on is there's all these ways to release the things that cause tension. But the first thing is having a vision. Do you have the vision of having a joy-filled relationship? Do you have a vision of showing up as your best self, right? All these things that we might not think about because we got attracted to somebody for a lot of more instinctual reasons. You know, they, oh, he's tall. <laughs> oh, she's cute. As opposed to what's the connection? What's that heartfelt connection that we want to have? And I've completely lost track of <laughs> where I was going with all of this. <laughs> so mentoring, mentoring, mentoring. <laughs> mentoring. So mentoring is these people have, they're committed to having joy-filled relationships. So their methodology may change as opposed to somebody who got through a tough time and now they're staying together for the kids. Like, what do you want? And then find the mentor. What kind of, and back to business, you know, you want to grow a tech startup where you find a tech startup mentor or somebody who's been there, done that, has a successful business. That's my idea with mentoring. And I'd love more people to show up. So if you guys could help put out the word, it's a network effect. The more people that are there, the more people that will contribute that are mentors. Yeah, we sure will. People, the more people that we mentors, the more people will show up. Right. And then there will, there will be just more inspiration for everyone. Yeah. Let me just clarify for our listeners that are listening to this. If they have a really good, strong, powerful relationship, they are committed. They know, they listen to you and they're thinking, yes, I am committed to joyful relationship too. And I believe in compassion and I am curious and I'm even generous. They should go to? Actually, probably the best thing to do is go to Unlimited Love. Because I'll have everything on the website, both the Facebook group and the events that we're doing. I'm doing events all over the world, actually, over the next year. And they can contact me directly. I'm sending out a, not a newsletter, but a video to people signed up for my email letter every week. So there's lots of ways to connect. So rather than just go directly to the group, go to unlimited.love. All right. Yes. That's a great URL. Which is a, isn't it a great? I didn't know they had dot .love as a URL. I just thought there was, you know, .com, .net, dot. Isn't that the best? The best. <laughs> <laughs> so just to clarify, that's unlimited with U-N-I-L-M-T-D dot love. Yes, there are no eyes in it. No eyes in unlimited. No eyes in love. <laughs> uh, no, no ease. <laughs> yeah. 
There is. Oh, I know E either, right? <laughs> But let me ask you this: What happens when you're not in that situation where you don't feel the compassion? All you feel is anger. And you don't understand why the socks are not important. The socks are important. And <laughs> where do you go in that situation? Do you still go to Unlimited Love? Go to Unlimited Love because then you'll find all the links to sign up and join where you need to join. Yeah. There's no unlimited hate. Think, you, know, <laughs> well, you know, some days it feels like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got carried away. <laughs> Guys. This is the Generous Marriage Podcast, and we're almost at the end of the show of today. We could have talked about this for, for a lot, lot longer, and it's really interesting. You, Sandra, have decided to create this network of people that are mentoring other people with their relationships, and I so much uh, enjoy the metaphor, like if you are struggling with your business, you wouldn't take a mentor which failed 10 businesses. Wow, then he could help me because he will tell me how to fail more graciously. No, you, <laughs> you would probably prefer someone that actually managed, maybe even specifically with your type of a relationship, maybe, and your type of business. And then maybe someone that is like three steps ahead and can actually show generosity and help you. So that's what you're creating, this network of really generous people that understand that this world can be a better place if only we had joy-filled relationships. And yeah. what type of activities we expect from Unlimited Love? Are you basically doing live workshops, online workshops? What can we expect? There's all the online help. There's the live workshops that I'm doing all around the country and in Cayman Islands coming up in Colombia. But I'm also, I don't want to start making promises that I'm committed to. I will this year have on courses. I've been creating the content and it's just getting it all put together. So everything that I've learned and the meditations, because once you have something that's an online course, you can keep going back to it and back to it and back to it. Yeah. To, to your point of, oh, yeah, I'm really annoyed right now. I can't, I can't dissolve this tension myself. Let me get some help. And then, of course, on the unlimited.love group, I am always available. Any, any question at all, I'm thrilled. Please go ask. So that's an also immediate way to get help. <sighs> so I want to say, Sandra, thank you for sharing with us some of your ways of looking into it. The, this whole idea of it's an inward job to find the clarity, to find the path of understanding where can you actually take ownership and where can you actually understand yourself better. And through compassion and curiosity, understanding those hot potatoes are so much, they taste so, so much better if you just use them in the right way. And I personally have to say, very interested in your meditations. I think that it's very important. Maybe even we'll touch base with that, about that. Uh, and maybe like through the email uh, broadcast that we do on generousmarriage.com, we have an email list mm -hmm. of people that are interested in making the relationship more, or a more generous 
a safe thing. And so maybe one day we will share some more information about your meditations. Both Shahar and me are practitioners of meditations in our own uh, styles and ways. And we respect that tremendously. Thank you so much. Shahar, your mm-hmm. summary, your point of view on what I we I just had. enjoyed so much your inspiration and your wisdom. And I am very curious to practice one of your uh, meditations. Maybe we can give it as a bonus or something. We'll talk about it later. Oh, that would be so much fun. And maybe as part of my world tour next year, I'll be in your area. We should talk about that. So, <laughs> that would be so great. Guys, you've been listening to the Generous Marriage Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the interview with Sonda Harmon. If you want to learn more about unlimited love, uh, you didn't get how to write unlimited with no I's and E's, then we will put that in generousmarriage.com. So you need to either know how to spell generous marriage or unlimited with no I and no E's dot love. Either way, we are really thankful. Thank you so much for listening and uh, see you next week on the Generous Marriage Podcast. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Wow, uh, Sandra didn't reach this joy-filled relationship uh, very fast or very easily. She had to go through her own struggle to, to get to that point. But now that she has it, you can actually see it in her photos. It's such heartwarming uh, to see uh, people find their match and find a relationship that works for them. This yeah. is really, really yeah. good. I, I agree, and you know, it's 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 common and still special to see how sometimes we need to suffer to become experts, or or let me say that in a different way, how we can learn and grow from hardship. Mm. You know, she went through her struggles, and now she's so joyful. Her relationship is joyful, and she teaches people how to have joyful relationships. Yeah, inspiring. She sure does. I love how she uses this idea of relationship mentoring. This is very uh, special. I understand mentorship in business. I understand mentorship in even having multiple mentors uh, that each of them is like three steps ahead of you in some specific way in, in life or in business. But in relationship, relationship mentorship, that's, that's a new one for me at least. And that, sound, that actually sounds like a good idea to be in touch with people that are a little bit like the masters, how uh, John Gottman calls them. And, and I think that this is good for you listening right now to have around you an environment that supports you. What other things uh, can, can we take from this interview? Yeah. yeah, I also love the meditation. You know, I'm a long-term meditation and practitioner and I love her spin on that and how uh, Sandra uses meditation as a tool for, for a better relationship. Yeah, it's usually something we use for creating space around us. And in here, it's like creating space for the, for the partnership, creating space for love. And that is powerful. Just think about that, guys. And, and just a meditation that you can actually uh, use to increase your space for love. And so... We have actually got a meditation um, video from Sandra that you can listen for free. Um, how, how can people get their hands on that, Shachar? 
Go to our website to generousmarriage.com to season two, episode 13. Scroll down to the bonus section and download, download the bonus. You can see Sandra giving her a meditation over video. It's really cool, really inspiring. Check it out. Yeah, you can do that even by yourself or with your partner. Um, just go to generousmerge.com now and download the free uh, meditation under season two, episode 13. Um, for now, we have to say farewell till next week where we will visit uh, a very uh, unusual topic, which is a compassionate separation. We're actually going to have an interview with a lawyer. Uh, so I hope you will visit us back again next week and see you on the Generous Marriage Podcast. Bye-bye. Bye. See you next week.